grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Monday. Long week ahead, right? Hang on, let me get this off of here so it doesn't come streaming on like it usually does. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner. I did something to this. I hit it with my... I hit the thing with my... Uh, hang on a second. I don't want stuff flying off. I mean, I keep hitting it because you guys don't realize that the studio looks nice and roomy in here, but it really isn't. It's like sitting in, it's like sitting in your car and... Yeah, I've just got that like like my front seat area and my back seat area of my car. That's it. That, that, that's my space, right? Okay. I can reach over, touch the wall, reach over, touch this wall. And I'm really back behind me. I've got about two feet, two, a foot and a half to two feet. Anyway, I keep bumping this mic even when I have it turned away. So it does weird things. It's in weird positions. Like it shouldn't be this low, but it is. This is just not my day. Here we go. Okay. Anyway, um, welcome. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We are 45 strong up and down the state of California, and that means we can help you if you have anything going on that you think might be paranormal. It might take us a couple days to get to you because California is this huge state. People don't realize we California has a little bit of everything. We have deserts, mountains, you know, everything you can think of, caves, you name it. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of places that, that are rural. I mean, I've, I've done investigations way out. But anyway, if, it, there, if there is a situation where um, the investigation has to be, uh, you know, a couple days before we get there, we do have psychics on staff who could call you and talk to you about what's going on, you know, in, in, your, in your home or business. And in most cases, they can settle things down for you until we get out there. Okay, so that's one of the big benefits. But we will we will get out to see you. I mean, I'll talk to you on the phone, you know, and then we'll go out and do the initial uh, prelim, and then we'll do the investigation. Sometimes, depending on your location, we'll do both prelim and investigation on the same day. We'll come out in the morning to the prelim, and then that evening, you know, go get some lunch or whatever, and then that evening come back to the investigation. So uh, we'll take care of you. You know, we've been doing this for almost 20 years, and uh, you know our stuff. Okay, that being said, tuning that horn. If you're watching from Facebook today, and I know a lot of you are, please be sure to follow us if you haven't done so already, if you like what you hear. Only if you like what you hear, right? I was going to uh, do a screenshot of something because I'm always talking to you guys about the algorithms on Facebook. Well, I got a nice notice yesterday from Facebook about these videos plus the shorts I've been doing and all that, and how um, by doing all that, I'm, I, I, I kept myself in the spotlight, kept the show in the spotlight, and we're being placed higher and higher so more people can, can view them. And it was kind of nice to get that note, right? It just confirms. So, uh, you know, if you're home, you're eating dinner or whatever, and you've got people in the house and you're and you're leaning over your phone or like some of my family members put put me on their big screen TVs, which is kind of scary, uh, ask, ask, ask them to come in and say, hey, there's this little show out there that, that I watch and it's, it's, it's a pretty good show. Why don't you come in and watch it? Because that's how we get more viewers, right? It's word of mouth. People say that. So uh, I'd be very much obliged if you would do that. If you could share the show with your friends as you're watching it, that would be great too. All right? And also, again, for the algorithms, uh, somebody already did it. And that's probably somebody I know. You know, 
one of my producers or somebody. Uh, Jerry, thank you very much. I'm Hamel Schmitter in the chat room. Uh, give me some thumbs up, some hearts, some smiley faces, things like that. That also helps us with the algorithm because Facebook scans that stuff and up we go. All right. It's the same thing with YouTube. Algorithm, algorithm. So the more smiley faces and, and thumbs up we get and all that stuff, the higher we're going to be in the algorithm, the more people that are going to be watching us. And I, I can see a difference. I mean, I really can. The last few months, wow, you know. Um, so I'm working hard. In fact, I've got two more, uh, uh, two more. Well, well, a couple. I'm going to be doing a couple of uh, content things tonight after I get off the air. So we are airing on YouTube, and the same thing goes for YouTube. If, if you're sitting there having dinner or something, and you like what you hear tonight, and there's other people in the house, have them come on over and watch it. Okay, just give them a taste. Just, just, just a taste. That's all I ask. Also, you know, uh, share it with your friends. Let people know about it because that's how we're, that's how we've done this. We've been doing this for three years, and our numbers have grown a lot. And it's because of word of mouth. You know, we're constantly sharing with five people. You know, if, if you have if you have five friends, you could share it with. Perfect. You know, because those five will share. Da, 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 da. So uh, yeah, so it always works out that way. Also, if you haven't subscribed yet on YouTube, you might want to. In fact, if this is your first trip over to our YouTube. I've got 632 videos over there, and those are the ones we produced for the last three years, 632 shows, and there are all kinds of topics. You know, like tonight we're talking Irish folklore, which is really cool, right? But I'm also a journalist. I'm a photojournalist by trade, and I don't like to cover the, the same types of topics all the time. So I might throw in something, say, like I did last week about the uh, the pain medication epidemic supposed epidemic that's going on, right? My, you know, my journey through maneuvering through this so that I can get my pain medication and other people. So I might throw a topic in like that. I might throw a topic in about spousal abuse. I might throw a topic in about a particular murder or something like that. I don't like to have the same topics all the time. So if you go over there, you're going to see a big variety of, of stuff. I mean, I've even done stuff on people that eat bugs, right? Push this forward a little bit. So what I've done, and I'm still in the process of doing it because 631 videos, is I'm taking everything and putting them in categories. Because if you go in there and you look at the initial page that we have, this stuff's everywhere. It takes me forever to find stuff. Like, like if, I, if I have a guest that's a repeat guest and have to go find them, wow. You know, I have to Google, I have to do the, the YouTube Google thing and see if I can find them. Otherwise, it takes forever. So what, I've, what I'm doing is I'm taking these things and putting them under category. So if, if we're talking extraterrestrials and UFOs, you're going to find it under a, uh, a file that says, extraterrestrial ufo right or nancy mats if you guys are a big fan of nancy mats and you want to see some so some, some of the older stuff we've done it's filed under nancy mats this show will be fired will, will be fired fired <laughs> filed under ancient legends and things like that okay so it's easier to find them all right and also if you're over there and you're one of my regular viewers and you see something you know you, you start clicking on those files and you see something that looks like it's out of place let me know shoot me an email because, you know, I want to make sure I have things in the right category. All right. And again, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Because we're always looking for subscribers. All right. You can find me on Facebook under my name, Charlotte Cosa. Or California Haunts. We're all over Facebook, California Haunts. You can find us on YouTube under California Haunts and California Haunts Radio. You can also find us at Twitch under Cal Haunts. You can find us on, on TikTok under California Haunts. I remember all this stuff. But then I just think when I get old and I'm doing this show and I'm all gray and stuff and I get senile, I won't remember any of this. Uh, you can find us over at Twitter, and that's the one where I can't quite remember if it's Cal. I think it's California Haunts on Twitter. 
And we're, we are on Instagram under Ghosty Gal, all lowercase. That's where you can find us. All right. So we're, we're just about everywhere. And I do have a Patreon that we're trying. Speaking of followers, I do have a Patreon. And I would love it if people would run over that Patreon and join up because uh, everything's coming into motion now as far as that goes. Where, you know, if, if, if I pre-record a show, then two weeks before anybody else sees it, my Patreon members get to see it. I have giveaways over on the Patreon that I'm going to be doing very shortly here. You know, coffee cups and things like that. and. Uh, Maybe one-on-ones with me to talk ghost hunting, you know. But another, another feature we have is that for the for a lot of our guests that people really like, maybe you were watching the show and, uh, you know, you're in the chat room and you had a question for somebody and you're too shy to ask it, you know, like that. I'm going to make arrangements. In fact, Nancy and I are going to do the first run on this where you can go in on the Patreon and spend an hour with certain guests and, 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 and pick their brains and talk to them one-on-one. Okay, so that's a, that's a feature. So I mean, uh, there is some bang for your buck, you know. And uh, of course, of course, it's, it's subscription over there, but it's well worth it because the more people we get over there, the more we're gonna be be doing over there. You know, I, I'm, I'm thinking Nancy might do some psychic readings over there as well, just for the Patreon members. Different topics. I may do some tarot card readings over there because I just bought a, I, I just bought an oracle deck. That's why I may do some you know some quick readings for people. So all that's gonna be going on. Also be on the lookout because I'm going to start making medicine bags for people. So if you need if you, if you need to carry protection on, you know, with you and you feel like you need protection, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to be making medicine custom medicine bags for people. So that's kind of, you know, that's going to be a plus too. So I'll let you know the details about that. On the, on June 8th at six, if I believe it's 6 p.m., I'm going to be teaching a ghost hunting 101 class. But the, the importance of this class is that. I'm looking for members to re, re, rebuild up my ghost team because, you know, COVID came and then we, I, I took some extra time off because of deaths in the family. And so I'm rebuilding my team. I, I, I have a good base. Uh, you guys know who you are. And I'm real excited because I do have this great base, but I'm also going to be adding some new blood to my team. So if you're interested in that, check out the California Haunts uh, meetup over at meetup.com. And there's all the details are over there because I'm a very strict ghost hunter. And there's certain procedures that this team does that, that I go by and it's been successful doing this. It's taken me 15 years to get these procedures down to, to, to where they're, I'm not saying perfection, but to where we can really, really do our best helping people. And that's how we do it. So there's going to be a procedure class uh, initially. And then what you'll do is if, if, if after that you, you like the idea of what we're doing, we'll take you with us on a ghost hunt. And then you'll be assigned to a couple of my regular team members and, and you'll get evaluated from there. And then, you know, all that process gets going. So check us out on Meetup. That's going to be uh, saying January, June 8th, uh, June. Did I say June before? I said June, huh? July 8th. Oh, my God. What month is it? Yeah, July 8th. I'm going to be teaching that class that evening. I think it's, it's 6 o'clock. I, I must be getting to see that on my old age, right? Who knows? Anyway, welcome, welcome, welcome. And um, that's right. I do have another class, too, coming up. And it's going to be on. No, I don't know. Do I? Okay, I'm fine. See, I'm getting all confused on these classes. I'm throwing them out left and right right now. Anyway, welcome, everybody. I've got a great show for you tonight. I love legends. I love dragons. I love knights in armor. I I love I love Celtic legends, period. I just love to talk about fairy folk. I love to talk about dragons. I love to talk about all that stuff. And my guest tonight, Morgan Daimler. Remember, I kind of made fun of her because of Chrysler. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those days. 
Morgan Daimler, at least I can't screw this name up, has written a book that is more of a fantasy book, but it's, it's really cool if you're into that sort of thing. In fact, I'm going to ask her if she'll allow me to read it as part of our Sunday series. So it should be interesting. But I want to let her talk about her book. But she also has books, as you as you can see in the description of the show, on fairy folk, um, Odin, uh, you know, a lot of those legends. And I just love looking into that stuff. And I know a lot of you do too. So I think I'm going to shut up before I before I go any further. I'm going to bring her in, okay? But I'm real excited to have her on the show. Really excited. So let me get my little buttons here. There we go. I see you all. I see you in the chat room. And let me bring Morgan in. Hello. I'm tired now. You can talk. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for having me on. I'm excited to be here. I am really excited to talk to you. I love, I, you know, I was, I was looking at the books you have. I love all that stuff. I can sit there and read that stuff for hours. Yeah, I have, it's, it's I've, a lot. <laughs> I've got an encyclopedia on Greek mythology that's this thick, you know? Nice. Yeah. So tell me about you. So um, I'm an author. I have 43 books, I believe, out at the moment. Um, the majority of that's nonfiction. So uh -huh. like you're mentioning, I write a lot about fairies. I write about Irish mythology, um, some Norse mythology. Uh, I like to joke that my super fun hobby is translating Old and Middle Irish into English. So I do have um, several books that are collections of uh, translated stories. Um, from the, the original um, Irish language stuff. Um, and as you mentioned, I just had a high fantasy novel come out. Um, I don't also don't know what month it is. So you are not the only one who does not know what month it is right now. I think it came out at the end of last month, though. I think. I was looking through it because you, you sent me a copy. And, and um, my God, I love it. And that's what I was going to who's your well we can talk about that after i don't want to get into that right now because what what i do is every sunday i read a paranormal theme book or some type of fantasy book and people like it it's unbelievable how many people will come watch me read i had, I had 1800 on tiktok yesterday oh i believe it so uh maybe we could talk about that maybe i can read your book because so far what i've read in your book is really good really good that sounds awesome that. to me so what gets what got you into this that is such a good question. So I think it was a couple things. Um, I mean, personally, I have had what I guess you would call paranormal experiences for a lot of my life, mm -hmm. um, which is actually pretty common, I think. Just a lot of people don't like to talk about it. Right. But I'll talk about it. Um, <laughs> and I also sort of grew up in the Irish-American diaspora. So my grandfather was from Ireland. And... So he grew up with sort of the the belief that there was more out there, you know, than what we can easily perceive. And this idea of the good folk, the fairies, that you want to be respectful to them. And so as I got a little bit older, when I was in my teens, I started getting really curious about all of that, really, and started digging into the folklore, the stuff that was written down, um, and then... It kind of went from there. It's one of those subjects that the more you learn about it, the less you know about it. Right. Because <laughs> there's just so much, you know, which I love. It never ends. Right. Right. It's like a rabbit hole. It is. Go. It is. You just, once you fall down, you just keep going. 
Well, I can say out of all the cases I've done, uh, as far as the paranormal investigating, because we've done quite a few in 20 years, I've had two that have involved fairy folk. Cool. And the last one, I could actually hear them talking, and it was really cool. Really cool. cool. But it was whispers, you know what I mean? But I, but I could actually hear them. And, um, you know, we're looking around and see there's a crawl space under the house. We're thinking, well, maybe it's somebody under the house, you know. But, yeah. And then the first one we did, they, they were um, banging stuff on the walls and stuff in these people's house. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it's, it's just I, – I, I just could not wrap my head around the fact that at that point that it was very full. But I thought, really? You know, but the more I've gotten into it, like you, you, know, like you say, and started doing the research, the more fascinated I got. I love that you – acknowledge that you've had a couple experiences that were fairies because that's mm-hmm. one thing um i do watch a lot of and listen to a lot of paranormal um shows and mm-hmm. i'll sometimes be like yelling at the screen or yelling at the computer that you know it's fairies because <laughs> they'll be thinking it's ghosts or it's you know negative presence or shadow people or all this other right. stuff and i'm like it's classic fairies i just think that the mind of these of the guys, because I was like that too. I mean, even though I was a believer in paranormal, you know, it's because of my house, obviously. When it came to the fairies initially, then my psychic walked over and said, you know, it's fairies. And I went, okay, whatever. Just, just, okay, just, I'll let you handle the investigation. I'm not, I'm not into this gig, you know. But um, I think it's, it's, it's a mindset because people, have, you know, people are willing to believe in ghosts, but they're not willing to believe in, in that sort of thing, mm-hmm. that fantasy world of fairies at all. Well, I think a lot of people, if you don't know the folklore, if you don't know the wider beliefs, you kind of just have that pop culture stuff. When you hear fairies, you think like Disney, Tinkerbell, yes, yes. like, you know, little cute winged children kind of thing. And, you know, that's that's not at all what you find when you look at the actual folklore. There's so much diversity and you know, you have fairy animals, you have fairies that look very human, you have all sorts of things going on and some of them can be dangerous mm-hmm. you know so yeah i think a lot of people just aren't aware that's true that's true when i think about fairies too i think about uh, wood sprites mm-hmm. you know it's just that's the first thing that comes to mind but like you say tinkerbell and all that and wood sprites for me you know when yeah. i think about it but you know once i like i said once i started doing the research like, like you say it's like a bottomless pit of research because the the, the, the more you do the more you want to know about what they're yeah. 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 It sucks you in. And there's, there's so many layers to it, you know? So it's like, the more you learn about it, the more you realize how much more there is, you know, um, it just, it just keeps going, which is awesome. Right. But yeah, I think a lot of paranormal investigators, you go in with that very particular perspective that it's going to be ghosts or it's going to be you know, maybe a particular type of negative entity, depending on what they believe. Right. And most people just never think fairies. Right. Absolutely. I have a question for you in the chat room already. Look at that. Let me pop that up on the screen for you. <laughs> what is classic fairy behavior? That is a great question. Um, when it comes to particularly things that get mistaken for hauntings, mm-hmm. um, you mentioned one, which is the knocking on the walls. There's other things that do that as well, but you know, that, that is sort of a clue that fairies are around. Um, items disappearing. I find that when it's it's ghosts or it's like human spirits, things might get moved or knocked over. Mm-hmm. But just completely disappearing. Um, there's sort of a classic thing we talk about 
um, people, those of us who are interested in fairies, uh, for an indication that you have these spirits sort of around is particularly car keys they like to steal for some reason. So you put your car keys down on your kitchen counter, you know exactly where you left them, you go, come back, and your keys are just completely gone. Mm -hmm. And you search everywhere, tear your house apart, probably much the fairy's entertainment, can't find them, usually finally give up, and then turn around and they're exactly back where they started. Even though it's in plain sight, you would have seen it. And that's right. where you look to begin with. And that is kind of a classic thing that a lot of people experience when these are the spirits that are sort of around. Um, so, you know, those are a couple things. I could list more. I don't know how much right. you want me to go on about this. <laughs> I love it. I could, I could talk about this all day. I mean, I'm fascinated by it. I lose a lot of stuff here. Yeah. So I've been told, I've been told, we'll ask the fairies to bring it back. And I'm like, okay, but it's, like you say, it's it's always something like car keys or my sunglasses yep. that go missing. I really think they, they do it for their entertainment. <laughs> like it amuses them to see us like running around desperately trying to find the item. Um, Cause it seems like a lot of times once you give up and kind of hit that point of frustration where you're like, I'm done, mm -hmm. I'm just never going to drive my car again. <laughs> Then they'll show back up or bribery works right. really well. Right. <laughs> like a lot of people will tell you, like offer them something mm -hmm. in exchange for getting your keys back. <laughs> it does seem to work. It does seem to work. I think I've seen some in my house too. Um, when I was a kid, because uh, my sister is 11 years older than I am, mm -hmm. and they always found things to amuse me. And we always had dark paneling and, you know, my sister would do a reflection thing and say it was Tinkerbell bouncing off the wall. You know, and all this. And I was, I was like a trained dog trying to, you know, grab the stuff. In my older years, and I had called one of my psychics on this. I would see, like, up until a couple of years ago, I would see these, 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 these small flashes in my hallway. Like they were, like something moving, you know, something just flying around in there. And I remember calling Trish, one of our psychics, and she goes, oh, it's the fairies. They're in your hallway. Mm hmm okay cool you know so maybe i'm one of those people that's fortunate enough since i you know was able to hear them that last investigation I'm, I'm i'm able to see them more or something you know but it, it's it's just a fascinating thing now like you say you brought up a good topic like, like in anything else you've got the good fairies and you've got the mischievous fairies and then you've got the not so good fairies yeah tell me a little bit about the not so goods sure so across folklore we kind of have this idea that you know there are certain types of fairies because mm -hmm. i should say to begin with that when we talk about fairy it's not like it's one particular sort right. of thing it's right, more right. like a general term and there's different um types of specific beings that right. are kind of lumped into that and we have some that are more benevolent towards humans that are more willing to be helpful um, they, they generally don't cause harm unless you really annoy them. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have the ones like that steal your car keys that are just mm -hmm. mischievous. Yes. But there's a whole range of them that are sort of known to be dangerous to humans. Um, and these are the ones, um, in Scotland, they would call them the unseely, which means like the unblessed, the unlucky. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones generally that kind of have human like on the menu. Right. Um, so they're more predatory towards humans mm -hmm. um a lot of times they'll like try to lure people into bad situations um, right. like a lot of people are familiar with the concepts of the will-o'-the-wisp um and there's there's different names for that in different cultures but 
in some views, it's a type of fairy and they, they sort of intentionally mislead you to try to get you lost. And the, the really mm -hmm. malicious ones will try to like get you to walk off a cliff, you know, or something along those lines. Wow. So, yeah. Not, not friendly. <laughs> um, I've heard stories about little children being taken by fairies. Sure. Probably changelings. Um, usually changelings, um, the idea is that the fairies for various reasons have some population issues. And so they'll sort of increase their own numbers by stealing humans. And sometimes it's babies, sometimes it's children. Mm -hmm. Um, sometimes it actually is adults. We do have stories about that too, but I think most people are most familiar with the babies and children. And the idea is that they'll come in and take the human, the, the baby or the child or, or the adult or whatever, and they leave behind either um, an inanimate object, usually like a stick, nothing fancy, but that it, magic kind of makes it look like the person. Mm -hmm. um, and then the person who's the changeling um, within a few days kind of gets sick and then dies. And everyone thinks the human has died when actually they've been you know, taken away mm -hmm. into fairy. Um, or the other version of the story is that they take the human and they leave behind either a fairy baby who is, who is very sick um, mm -hmm. and not going to survive. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's like a very elderly fairy. It's kind of like the fairy retirement plan. You know, <laughs> they're, they're very old and they just want to be pampered. So they come right. in as this, you know, human infant in disguise so that they kind of get weighted on hand and foot um good deal for them not good deal for the human involved um and usually it kind of comes out because they're they're not acting mm -hmm. right um so it sort of comes out that they're not the actual human and so we have all these stories where either the the human gets rescued um or you know unfortunately there's a whole very dark history with changelings um or, you know, ways to drive the changeling out could be very violent. Mm -hmm. And then the, the person doesn't survive, except it wasn't actually a changeling. It was the human in question. And there's actually a whole bunch of court cases in, uh, in Ireland and England and other places in the 19th century because of that. So a lot going on. <laughs> it's, just an interest, it's just, it's interesting to me because each country has its own stories about that stuff. It has its own legends. Just like over here in the United States, we kind of have some Cornish minor legends, you know, when we talk about our Tommyknockers, mm -hmm. like, like in our minds. But that came over again from, you know, Celtic ways and, and, and you know, and all the, you know, that area. And it's, it's just interesting, you know, because you know, our, our things are leprechauns and all this. It's everything we, we inherited that people brought over with them. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that, you know, there's there can be this kind of idea that we don't have fairies in the Americas. Um, what When you look, you know, across the history of the beliefs, it's always been this idea that as populations move, as like groups of people come in, um, you know, through colonization and all of that, mm -hmm. that they bring their beliefs with them and they bring these spirits with them. So places that you have like any concentrated population coming from another country, you're going to have those spirits that they would, you know, have believed in that they would have expected in their their home country obviously there's a lot of indigenous things as well going on mm 
There's just a lot of things going on everywhere. Do you think that, you know, this is something I was thinking of because you think about ghosts and how they will attach themselves to somebody. Does that work? Does that work the same way with fairies? I mean, do, do they pick a particular person and decide, okay, I'm, I'm going to stay with this, you know, this individual and torture him or, you know what I mean, and then tease him or whatever? In some cases, yeah. Um, we definitely have examples. Um, like there's a story, this one was from Scotland, mm -hmm. of a young man who had, I guess we would sort of say like a fairy girlfriend. <laughs> um, and she was a little too much for him. Mm -hmm. So he decided that he did not want to continue with this relationship and she disagreed and mm -hmm. it's very hard to argue with fairies. Mm -hmm. So he finally decided he was going to leave the country. He was going to leave Scotland and come over to the United States. Um, and when he got over here, he ended up writing back to his family and basically saying that, you know, his plan had not worked, that she had followed him and that she was now with him over here as well. And the same way, you know, we see idea of like the, the Banshee, which a lot of people are familiar with, with uh, Irish folklore, being very attached to particular families, family lines. Mm -hmm. So as each generation goes on, you know, you still have this, this spirit, this fairy kind of attached to that family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was thinking about uh, Star, uh, Star Trek Next Generation because Dr. Crusher on there is Irish. And they did it. I don't know if you if you're into that or you saw it, but they, they, they she went back to her grandmother's planet because because the grandmother had died, mm -hmm. and it turns out there was either either a fairy or an Irish ghost that was there that that was that was manipulating the grandmother. Yeah, something that was attached. Yeah, yeah, I remember that episode. Um, yeah, uh, and actually, if you sort of take the sci-fi out of that episode, um, mm -hmm. that would be very similar to stories that we find about these sort of more predatory fairies. Um, there's actually also, since we're going to go on a Star Trek route, and I'm a huge Trekkie. Let's do it. All right. Um, there's an episode of Deep Space Nine that also is like that, where um, Commander Sisko's son, Jake, gets all this inspiration and is writing this novel um, because of this alien who has appeared. And initially, only he can see her. And she's inspiring him to do this, but it's clearly killing him. Right. Um, and that is pretty directly a retelling of some of the folklore around what we would in Ireland or in uh, the Isle of Man call Lananshi, which mm -hmm. it means fairy lover, but it sort of has this reputation in, in recent folklore for being this sort of vampiric spirit that inspires creative people and artists and sort of gets them to produce this amazing work, but it shortens their life because they feed on that life force, mm -hmm. which is exactly what happens in that episode. Yeah, that was a fascinating episode. I agree 100%. Now, when you do research on this stuff, it, how do you do it? I mean, there's got to be information out there everywhere. So how do you sort through it all? Sure. And there, there is information everywhere and the information is not all created equal. <laughs> there's, there's definitely good information and then there is not as good information mm -hmm. um and then there's also fiction you know um and sometimes fiction will then get sort of repeated and it can get very confusing so what i personally try to do because my my main interest is irish and then kind of scottish secondarily mm -hmm. is to go to some of the older written sources um material that's been collected by folklorists 
And I also, a lot of times will talk to people in Ireland, um, people who are in Scotland, um, people who still have these beliefs mm -hmm. and are still sort of sharing the stories and passing them on. Um, Eddie Lenahan is a very well-known storyteller in Ireland. He's a great resource for this sort of topic. There's an online site through um, the Dublin University. Uh, it's called Duachis IE uh, in Irish, but um, the school's collection. It was actually a project they had in Ireland in the 1920s and 30s where they sent school children out to talk to local people, older people, about um, their memories of different things. So some of it's mm -hmm. historical events, but a lot of it is folklore. Mm -hmm. So you have all of these collected stories of people of all sorts of beliefs and spirits and encounters that people had. Um, and it's, it's really just amazing material when you go through it. Um, and there's also a gentleman named Michael Fortune. Um, he does videos on YouTube that he does the same thing today. He goes out and interviews people and just asks them like, you know, do you have a story about the Banshee? Do you have a story about the fairy fort? And then, you know, gets them talking. And it's, it's amazing how much of this is still active living beliefs. You know, so you can just go engage with people in the community about it. As uh, you, you mentioned earlier uh, in the interview about watching the ghost hunter, you know, the, the, the ghost hunt TV shows and how you just want to grab the TV and scream at them. What is the difference between what they're encountering and what, or, or a ghost in general and a fairy? Sure. So there is a lot of crossover. Like it does get kind of muddy mm -hmm. um, in some of the stories. Um, as we were talking about with the changelings, like we have stories of fairies who steal humans. Um, we have stories of people who were thought to have died, you know, were believed to be dead, but then are seen among the fairy host. Um, so it's not always super clear boundaries mm -hmm. between the two concepts, but sort of the key differences, I think, are when we're talking about fairies, fairies can be physical, tangible beings. Um, they can act with, interact with people um, in very physical ways. Like you would see them as if you were seeing another human. Um, you could touch them. You could talk to them if they choose to appear that way. Um, whereas human ghosts, at least, you know, in my experience and as far as I'm aware, tend to be more insubstantial, um, partial apparitions, uh, a little more difficult to communicate with for most people, you know, unless you have specific ability to communicate uh -huh. if you're a medium, um, but your average person. Um, they also can kind of affect different sorts of things. Like I'd mentioned with the ghosts will tend to move objects or knock them over. Uh -huh. Whereas fairies, they just straight up disappear. Because uh -huh. um, the belief with fairies is that they're sort of interdimensional or extra dimensional beings that they come from a separate kind of reality, the world uh -huh. of fairy. Um, and they can just interact with our world if they choose to. Um, dogs don't seem to be particularly bothered by fairies, whereas they, they do seem to be bothered or at least more aware of ghosts. Mm -hmm. um, so things like that. Um, I used to say that electronics was a way to tell that like ghosts will affect electronics and fairies won't. But I've talked to enough people now that have, have had fairy encounters that also involved things like batteries draining and and weird tech things that mm -hmm. I, I don't say that one anymore. <laughs> I think they could both mess with electronics. Wow. This is really interesting. You know, I never thought of it that way at all. Have you, have you ever come in contact with a fairy? 
I, I would say I have, I believe I have. I mean, obviously once we start to get into personal encounters, <clears throat> you know, everyone's going to have their own opinion right. about what happened or sorry, what the circumstances were. Uh -huh. Um, I've had a couple situations where I, I believe I saw fairy hounds, which are, um, sort of otherworldly dogs. Uh, they're, they're definitely very strange experiences. They, they wouldn't fit into, um, anything that would be easily explained. Um, in one, I was with a friend, uh, and we were in a small city and, you know, sitting on the steps in front of a store, a fairly busy road. And it's like everything got very quiet and very still. All the traffic stopped, which is weird. Um, and then the two of us saw this um, pair of black dogs walking down the sidewalk. Um, and it kind of went from there. And they sort of appeared and then disappeared in an impossible way. You know, um, and another case, which is, I guess, what we would say, like a more classic example of a fairy encounter um, I was with that same friend um, and then another friend of ours. And it was about this time of year, actually. So we had had the door open and this huge white moth, it looked like initially, flew in. Hmm. I mean, huge, like, like, huge, <laughs> like bird sized. Um, and my friend, um, Allison, had pointed to it and you know basically like oh no there's a giant moth we have to get out of here and my my friend who had seen the two dogs with me and i both looked up at it and what we saw was like a tiny little man wow. with these white wings moth wings how cool um, is that wow it was it was weird <laughs> um and it was kind of you know staying around the ceiling and so my my other friend the one who had seen the dogs with me just sort of pointed at it and was like you um, in this very strong voice. And it immediately just dropped straight down to the ground and disappeared. Cause wow. we, you know, there was nowhere it could have gone and we obviously searched for it and it was big. It was not something that was small that could have easily like mm -hmm. gone anywhere. Um, it was just completely gone. So very uncanny experiences. <laughs> that is great. Oh my gosh. Yeah, oh my gosh. Story. <laughs> Um, when you talk about legends like dragons, how's that? I mean, how, how do you find information on that? I, I, you know, there's I know there's tons of stories out there. Again, going back to the, you know research for the fairies, is it harder to research say uh, dra dragons as opposed to fairies, or or what has been your hardest research thing that that that, that you've had? Yeah, dragons are definitely really tricky. Um, they don't in Irish folk belief there really aren't dragons per se. They have these other sorts of um, similar-ish beings, but they're not the classic dragon. Um, they're called Pesht or, or Old Pesht. Um, they're more like sort of giant worms. Um, if, you know, there's really, a, it's a hard thing to describe based on what we find in the, the old stories, but they live in water and they're like more maybe sea monsters, I guess would be something we could compare it to. Mm -hmm. um, and then if you go to like England and, and Wales, they have dragons, but they're very different. Like there's a lot of these regional variations and, you know, in Wales you have uh, some dragons being described almost as like protective 
um, sort of positive beings. In a lot of other places in England, they're they're viewed kind of negative, mm -hmm. um, more like monsters. And then if you get into the Germanic dragons, they're definitely, you know, think of like Wagner's The Ring, um, you know, associated with sort of negative things. So it's such a wide mix mm -hmm. of kind of how they're described and how they're viewed. And they're completely different, of course, from Asian dragons, which are, you know, we use the word dragon for both, but they're basically like two separate kinds mm -hmm. of concepts. Mm -hmm. So that's Asian ones look like Pekingese. Some of them, yeah. And they're yeah, usually, so. from what I understand, um, they're usually more like positive, like blessing right. or protective. Right. Um, whereas the, the European ones can definitely... Uh, the European ones are where we get like the Tolkien Smaug, you know, the, the dragon on top of the hoard of gold uh -huh. kind of idea from. Let's talk about your book. You just had a book come out. I did. I did. Into Shadow. Into Shadow. Into Dragons. It's up here right here. Let's see. Where is it? Where is it? Oh, there it is. Yep. So tell me a little bit about your book and, uh, you know, because I, like I said, I did. I didn't really have time to go over it this weekend, but I was able to read, you know, a, a good chunk of it. So, some of it. <laughs> yeah. Some of it. Yeah. Um, you know, basically, I wanted to write, I enjoy writing fiction. Sure. Front. Um, the nonfiction is kind of like my, my bread and butter writing. Um, but fiction to me is fun. Telling mm -hmm. stories is fun. And I wanted to write a story where the main character was a hero but she wasn't the hero that everyone expects like when people read high fantasy they always expect the the hero to be young you know late teens early 20s mm -hmm. able-bodied attractive um not that i'm saying my main character isn't attractive in her own way but you know there's just a certain image that people have mm -hmm. of who the hero is going to be and so in my story, you know, she's in her late thirties. Um, she had four children uh, who, you know, spoiler, but you find this out in like the first page who, who had been killed. And, you know, she's plus sized. She's, she's a bigger girl. Um, she has to wear glasses, which I clearly was, you know, basing on the fact that I have to wear glasses. Um, yeah. She's, she's blind without her glasses and, you know, her big strength really before the book starts was that she was kind of the scribe for the village. She's kind of educated person, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but not who you would picture normally being the hero in some sort of like epic fantasy novel. Right. And yet that's who the hero is in the book. That's awesome. That's awesome. Now, along that line with all the research that you've done, the books that you have written, when you watch things like uh, Lord of the Rings, what's it like for you to watch that stuff? I I'm actually a pretty big Tolkien fan. Um, mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings is such an interesting example because Tolkien was someone who was very interested in folklore and mythology. And he did base a lot of his material off of those things um mm -hmm. obviously with his own twist and his own opinions um you know and, and particularly the lord of the rings i think he he was pretty clear that he was trying to write something to sort of work through his own issues with world war one 
Um, and that definitely shows through. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I really enjoy the the tone he takes with a lot of it. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the way he deals with the elves because he sort of makes them um, these like supremely wise beings, um, which a lot of people have taken that and run with it. And in folklore, you know, they're not not so much like that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I think I have more problems with some of the other material that comes out, other movies and TV shows and things that are trying to be based on folklore that, that take a lot more liberties with it. Um, But I think Tolkien's pretty interesting. Now back to your book on this. How long did it take you to write the book? This is going to be such an embarrassing question. So I actually wrote it in like a month. Wow. So I I tend to be a fast writer when I write, which is why I have 43 books. I'm okay. sure that's, that's a part of it. That's a lot, boy. I'll tell you. That's impressive. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I've been writing now for about 13 years. Um, so I, I generally write three to four books a year, um, varying lengths. Some of them are, are much shorter. Mm-hmm. Um, but fiction, when I get into it, it's it's almost like I feel like I'm not making up the story. I'm right. relaying the story, um, which I realize makes it sound a little channely. Um <laughs> But it's almost like the story tells itself and I just have to keep up with it. Um, so yeah, that one uh, that one was written fairly quickly. Um, I, I think it came out good, though. From what I've read, it's, it's, a, it's an excellent book. Thank I'll, you. Be, I'll be reading it tonight, you know, some more, too. Um, do you get into a zone when you're writing? I do. Okay. I do, for sure. Um, I I am fairly fortunate in that I am in a position where writing is my full-time job. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm not trying to juggle the way a lot of other authors are, you know, trying to have a full-time out of the house job and also write. Sorry, my cat's decided she wants to be on the show too. Everybody can Um, be on the show. (laughs) She she likes to photobomb when I I do these things. Um, I, find that because I don't have to worry about the the regular nine to five job, I treat the writing that way. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a single parent. When my kids go to school in the morning, I sit down and I start writing and I treat it like my day job. And then, you know, when they get home, I'm, I'm kind of done for the day, but it gives me a good amount of time every day to get this done. And mm-hmm. particularly with the fiction, sometimes it's hard to stop. You just want to, you just want to keep going. Right. But you have to sleep eventually. Right, right, right. Do you, um, is it, is it different? Well, obviously it isn't, this is a stupid question, but when you start creating characters, you know, for, for a book like, like this one you just wrote, is it difficult to figure out how you want their personalities, you know, personalities to be and all that, or is it fairly easy for you? Um, Sometimes with some characters, it's a bit of a struggle. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of times I find that once I get that initial idea for the story, like with Into Shadow, my inspiration really was what if, you know, killing the dragon is the beginning of the story, not the end. Uh-huh. You know, what happens after that? Because um, so many books, that's sort of like the the ending, the big uh-huh. dramatic end. Uh-huh. Um 
And once I had that idea and I started writing it, I found that the characters kind of just came with the story. You know, I sort of knew what the personalities were like um, with that one in particular. They, they kind of had all their own voices, mm-hmm. um, which is probably also why it got written as quickly as it did, because it was very clear when it was being written. Which one is your favorite uh, fiction book so far? That I've read or that I've written? That you've written. <laughs> um, that's a tough one. Into Shadow is definitely way up there for me uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, because I, I really had a, a strong idea of what I wanted to tell and that I wanted to tell a story that was kind of different from what we find usually with high fantasy. I love reading high fantasy. Uh Um, I do also have an urban fantasy series, which is 11 books now. And um, one of the books in that series, it's named Convergence, is probably a close tie with Into Shadow for my favorite thing that I've written. Um, Just because I I really loved that storyline. I'm very attached to those characters at this point. Uh Um, The downside of writing a series is you get to a certain point with it and it's like the characters are your friends and you know them really well and you just want to keep telling their stories. Right, right. For people that don't read this type of thing, what it, what's the definition of high fantasy as opposed to just a fantasy book? Sure. So high fantasy generally is a story that is set in an alternate world um, okay. and a world that has magic and generally also more than just human characters. There's some variation with that because it's, you know, you have a range of what you can do with it. Mm-hmm. But the majority of high fantasy you're going to find, it's it's going to fit those categories. Um, the other thing that I write is urban fantasy. Mm-hmm. And urban fantasy is magic and non-human beings that exist in our human world. Okay. Um, usually with urban fantasy, they're in secret. Like no one knows they're there and then it kind of comes out. The main character gets sucked into it sort of a thing. Um, so urban fantasy is super fun because it's, it's our world, our day-to-day reality, except with, you know, elves and fairies and dragons. Now, another question I have about this book in particular, the new one, when you're putting this together, is, is there research done for that time period? So, so you can uh, write, you know, write about the characters in more detail. So there's different ways different authors approach this. I am 100% a research person. Um, for me, at least with this one, because folklore is, is my background, uh-huh. um, the folklore aspects in the story, I didn't really have to research because it was things that I already knew. Uh-huh. But I was definitely researching things like, you know, how long does it take people to walk <laughs> from one place to another, like what's, what's the maximum travel you can do in a day on foot, Uh um, which hopefully does not come across as boring in the book. But, you know, I, I like those little details to be accurate. Um, One of the characters in the book is a Selkie, uh, which for the people who don't know the folklore is a being who is a seal in the water, but then can come out of the water and remove their seal skin and look human. Um, and there's, there's a lot of folklore that's attached with that idea, but 
I decided it would be sort of fun because we don't have this information in the folklore right. to have my Selkie when she's in a human form still be very seal like. Uh -huh. So I did a lot of research on seals. Um, so like they're obligate carnivores, they have to eat meat. That's, that's all they have in their diet. So my Selkie is like that as well, even in her human form, you know, eats a lot of fish. Um, so yeah, all that kind of research goes into it for sure. I just find it interesting. And like I said, what, what I read of the book, it had my attention. I really didn't want, and I really didn't want to put the book down, but I had to. But you know, and and I, I just admire you because, like I said, I'm a journalist, you know, and I've I've got two books that I'm writing, but they're all they're, they're nonfiction. But awesome. I, I understand how it can get so time consuming, or you get so into it, yeah. you know that 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 the time flies, you don't realize that, that the time has gone by. Is it is it hard with with your kids, uh, you know, with your kid because I you know. I mean, there's, there's going to be times when you're going to be inspired when, when you're making dinner to get back and right. Yep. It definitely has its challenges. Um, I'm a full-time single parent, mm -hmm. so it's just me um, and the kids. Uh, I have a 10-year-old and a 15-year-old, and I, I do have a 19-year-old, but she's not in the house anymore. So I, I do parent her still, but from a distance, mm -hmm. you know, as, as adult children prefer. Mm -hmm. um, but the two younger ones, you know, it, it's definitely sort of a fine balance sometimes mm -hmm. um, between making sure that, you know, all the parenting stuff is being stayed on top of, but then the writing stuff is also being dealt with. Um, last July, I ended up working on a nonfiction project. I wrote a book on Freya, um, which is out later this summer. And I was driving my kids nuts. <laughs> Because they, you know, it's the summer, they want to go out and do stuff, and they're home from school, and I'm, like, hunched over the computer in a pile of books. Because nonfiction, of course, you need a lot more research. Right. Um, and I just kept telling them, like, you know, another couple days, another couple days, I'll get it done. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think they believe having their mother be an author is nearly as glamorous <laughs> as other people might think that it is. Now that brings me to my next question. How many hours a day do you, do you try to write? So generally my goal is six to seven. Um, some days I, I definitely do that. Like today was definitely a, a seven hour writing day. Um, other days, you know, it, it just life gets in the way. Um, I tend to try to have word count goals for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, but honestly, you know, it's just telling yourself that as long as you get something done, as long as you get some writing done, mm -hmm. it's still a productive day. Um, because sometimes you're just going to have, have that day where life throws everything at you. Right. That you did not need to deal with. Um, and you just don't have the time and it, it can get very, um, demoralizing, if you start to think of it like, you know, I'm not getting enough done, I'm not getting enough done. Mm -hmm. So I try to look at it like, even if I can only sit down for, you know, 15, 20 minutes and outline something or add even a couple hundred words to something, it's more than I had in the morning. So mm -hmm. it's still a good day. Now, you said something that, that rang a bell for me is word count. I have issues with that because I'm a journalist. So I'm trained to 
right you know in, in, in those in those in those small sentences in small paragraphs mm-hmm. so i'm you know as a writer and writing these books it's really difficult for me to make that transition to write these long drawn out paragraphs and i think that's what the big slow you know slowdown is with me but I'm, I'm i think i'm getting better at it yeah i i used to struggle a lot with that particularly with fiction mm-hmm. um, because i started in nonfiction, so you know my initial approach i think was very blunt, I guess you would say. Um, but I have a friend, uh, her name's Catherine Kane. She also writes urban fantasy and she had given me some really good advice early on, which is, you know, the, the length of the sentence really controls the reader's attention. So if you have short sentences, it's action. So action scenes, you want to have short, you know, snappy because it reads quick and your reader feels like it's going quick. Whereas if it's a more complicated scene or a calmer scene or emotional in different ways, you want to have longer sentences because it, it, the pacing, even though the reader it's subconscious, you notice it mm-hmm. as you're reading. And kind of once she said that to me and I really went back and looked at my own writing and I could see where there were places, okay, I need to chop this up because I want this to be an action scene and I want things to be, you know, to feel like they're progressing in, in an impact and I'm just being way too descriptive, uh, right, right. you know, and you can go back and, and fix that and other places where you want things to, to feel slower and to have the reader really thinking about what's happening and you're being too choppy. So it's like, okay, we need to, to push this out a little bit. Um, so I found that to be really useful advice. Is it hard for you to, um, cut stuff out of the book. I mean, you know, you'll, you'll write it to a certain extent, like you say, and maybe something's too wordy or, you know, you love your character, you know, that you're writing about. It, it, is it difficult for you to go back and make those cuts? It is. Um, editing is my least favorite part of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very bad at it. I tend to add when I edit instead of remove, which is not what you're supposed to do. Um, but one thing that I have started doing that helps me is if I have something that I like, but it just doesn't fit in or it's not working or it's slowing things down, I'll just sort of cut it, but I'll put it in another document mm-hmm. and I can kind of keep it so that I don't feel like I'm destroying it forever. Um, you know, cause that's another aspect too. I think as a writer, you put so much work into this mm-hmm. and then the idea of cutting out, like, you know, a thousand, two thousand words, it's painful. Right, right. That's a lot of work. Um, so when you're kind of not destroying it, you're just moving it. I think that makes it a little easier. And I've actually had some luck with getting short stories out of things that got removed out of larger projects that way. You know, I've also heard of authors uh, having an ongoing blog. And then what they'll do is they'll, 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 take, they'll, they'll take sections of the blog and they just transfer to the book. Yeah, that's, that's another thing. Um, I've done that sometimes where I'll write a short story. Um, I like a lot of people, I have a Patreon and uh, I'll put it up on that. And then eventually it'll find its way into other larger projects. Um, I do also have a fan group on Facebook for my urban fantasy series. Cool. and I'll share stuff just on there. Uh-huh. And that's also really helpful for like the world building because you know, when you write fiction, only so much of it is going to show up in the book, but you as the author, you have to know all of this other stuff in order for, 
for the story to make sense. You have all this background info that just doesn't show up on the page. So that's a place for me to go to be like, okay, well, here's a random trivia fact that isn't in the books, but, you know, is behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that helps too, to kind of have a place to get that out. What do you think makes this particular book stand out from, all, from any other books you've written or any other books that anybody else has written? Into Shadow, um, I think the biggest thing that makes it stand out is that it takes a lot of the, the tropes, the things that you expect to see in high fantasy mm -hmm. and turns them. So, like I said, we have a hero who is not the person you'd expect. There is a character in the book um, who is traveling with the, the main character that is that you, the, exactly who we'd expect to be the hero. Mm -hmm. He's young, he's brave, he wants to be a knight, you know, he's got, he's got the whole list of qualifications, mm -hmm. but he's not the main character. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I made it someone else that people wouldn't expect. And, you know, there's different things that happen. I don't want to give too many spoilers, but mm -hmm. there's different things that happen in the book where you would expect it to kind of follow a certain pattern and it, it goes left instead of right, I'll just say. So I think that that's a big selling point. If, if people are looking for high fantasy that's, that's different mm -hmm. than like everything else that's already out there. Cool, cool, cool. See, so be sure to get this book. Like, like I said, it's really good. I can't wait to get back into reading it tonight. Um, we talked about this, this earlier about, uh, people that, you know, believe they have ghosts that could be fairies. If you do think that you have a fairy in your house or, or your yard, what, what, sh what should you do? That is an excellent question. I'm glad you asked because everything that people would do for ghosts is exactly what you don't want to do for fairies. <laughs> so like a lot of times with ghosts, you want to have like clear, boundaries and you can get very assertive even borderline aggressive with them you know if they're causing trouble in the house you might encourage someone to very clearly say you know this is my house you're not welcome here you need to calm yourself down whatever you never want to do that with fairies um with fairies you really like the the key to dealing with them is to try not to get them upset Mm -hmm. So you don't want to be aggressive. You don't even be assertive. Um, like I mentioned, bribery is always a really good option, mm -hmm. uh, which I wouldn't use with ghosts. Um, but if you feel like you have uh, a fairy around that's um, causing problems or being difficult, there are ways to deal with that that are aggressive, but you don't want to go there unless you absolutely have to. You know, you would start with like, here's a little bowl of cream or here's some butter or some honey, you know, can't we all just get along <laughs> and kind of try to work it from there? Um, because unlike human ghosts, these are beings who, you know, are not generally human in nature. They have a different way of interacting, um, different expectations, and they, they can really physically affect people. Um, I mean, ghosts can to a, a small degree, but you know, fairies across folklore, you know, they can cause serious illnesses. They can really mess with your luck, um, your finances. They can um, uh, cause people to have strokes. The word stroke, a lot of people will tell you, comes from the idea of fairy stroke, which is the fairies touch you and it causes you to have a cerebral hemor hemorrhage. 
I can say it, which is definitely not something people want to do. Right. So, um, you know, the idea that you really just want to try to try to work things out peacefully without escalating with fairies. Um, it's kind of it's kind of like with the Tommy knockers too. What people have told me is is to put out food, put a food yeah. spread out. Yep, that's one of the most widespread traditions um, with European fairies and with a lot of spirits in other places as well is food offerings. Um, particularly fairies tend to like dairy products and baked goods and honey, things like that. Um, as opposed to, you know, other types of spirits might like other types of things, but it's definitely a, a, your go-to option. Mm -hmm. It's been great. This has been a great interview. It went really quick. You're great. I know it did. You're great to talk. To. I would love to have you back on again to talk about this stuff. I'd love to come back. I had a good time. And a future book, you know. Tell everybody how they can find you. Sure. So much like you, I am all over social media. Uh, unfortunately, it's it's a plague, but there's no escape. Um, so Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, I'm everywhere under my name. So it's Morgan Daimler. Um, pretty easy to find. I am also on TikTok now. I well, mostly make videos about folklore. So if that interests you, um, and I do have a Patreon as well, but yeah, everything's just under my name. Um, my okay. books are on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, any of those sorts of sites, you can usually find them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to thank you again for coming on. I really enjoyed it. And you're, and take it from me guys. Cause I'm an avid reader. I read fantasy stuff. Her book's great. What I've read of it's great, and I'm going to continue to read it. And wow, that's all I can say. It really, it really draws you in. Really draws you in. Okay, please hang out in the green room because I'd, I'd like to talk to you about something too afterwards. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. All righty. Okay, guys, that was great. I love talking about that stuff. And uh, great lady, great lady. Tomorrow we're shifting gears again because we're going to be talking UFOs and. Uh, Brad uh, Cameron is going to be with us, and we're going to be talking about President Jimmy Carter and his interest in the UFO phenomena, and we're going to be talking about you know, some of the higher-ups in the government and, and their approach on it as well. So that'll be tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific, okay, usual time. All right, this is where I always say it. If you're watching Facebook tonight and you liked what you heard, be sure to follow us because we, we, we love guests like this, and, uh, well, I could talk to her all day. You know, just have a whole conversation, you know, just have that going all day. Also, uh, if you haven't done so already on YouTube, please subscribe and please tell people about us. You know, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. I always say we're, we're equal opportunity, but we, you know, we just want to keep getting the word out about this show. You know, keep pumping and keep pumping. If you liked it too, you know, be sure to show me some love with, with some happy faces and hearts and thumbs up and all that stuff. Okay, that being said, I'm going to call it a night. I will see you guys tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening, everyone.